Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hunchkin. Welcome to episode 16 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I am Mark Hodgkin, your co-host, along with Kevin DeShazo from Culture Wins Championships and Fieldhouse Media. And today we are excited to bring you our second edition of the series we're working on to kind of talk about what makes an effective AD now and then in the future as well. So today we talked to Chris Free, uh, the Senior Associate AD at Arkansas. Um, I've gotten to know Chris actually a few years back, a few stops back for him when he was at USF and uh, been great to stay in touch with him ever since. Um, he had some interesting things to say about being in college athletics here in the year 2017 and kind of how those things have changed. Yeah, it was a really good discussion with Chris. Uh, he's, he's a young guy, but has, has moved up quickly in this industry already at a senior associate level and an SEC program, a big program like Arkansas. And, and that's not by accident. It's because he, he is good at what he does and, and not just on the work front, but on the people front. He understands the need to engage with people, to challenge people and to lead people well. And so I thought it was just a really interesting conversation. And, and if you guys haven't, make sure you go back to episode 15 and listen to Carter Henderson from the University of Washington. Um, we had a great conversation with him to kick off this series. But I love what Chris had to say. And this is something where I think we're going to see echoed and that, A, it's, it's a people business. Um, and he said, gone are the days of the one-person committee. Um, so talking about the, the next generation of ADs, like you don't get to make decisions by yourself anymore. You have to, you have to listen. And he trumpeted the value of listening. Um, and I think it's a huge deal because we get busy. We think our ideas are the best. Um, but if we want the best smart people, we have to slow down and not just say that we're for them. We have to show that we're for them. And, and a big component of that is listening. And I think that if a leader who can listen will be a leader who lasts a long time and be a leader who builds a great team. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's, and, it, and the position of athletic director has really changed since it was, you know, kind of the old football coach who comes in and runs things. There's just so much more uh, attention. There's so much more complexity in the in the space. I think I think Chris has a great feel for this and, and really shares some, some interesting things on how he manages his staff. Uh, we get into some great stories about some people he's led and, and even brought to Arkansas and uh, also some book recommendations, which I always like. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun series so far. We're just into our second interview with this series. Um, but what's, what I enjoy about this, these are people that, that um, we get to know on, on Twitter at conventions, um, people who are our are, are friends. But we get to get, get past the friendship piece and, and really look in, looking at their career. Because a lot of times the, this stuff doesn't come up in natural conversation. Um, so it's fun to just for them to be able to back away and to think big picture about what their career has been, where it's going, where the industry's going, and what this next generation of leaders will look like. So enjoy the episode. Let's dive right into it. So now we've got with us uh, Chris Freet, and Chris is the Senior Associate AD for External Operations and Strategic Communications at the University of Arkansas, Woo-Pig Suey. Uh, Chris, welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you. It's a uh, pleasure to join you today. So before we, we dig in, similar to what we did with, with Carter in episode 15, give us the, the one-minute version of, of who Chris Freet is, what your story is in college athletics, where you've been, what you're doing, and who, who you are. 
Uh, well, I'm a father and a husband. Start there. A couple kids. Uh, my wife used to work in college athletics uh, directly in an athletic department. And so uh, I'm lucky to have a really supportive wife who's followed me around from uh, Tampa to University of Miami and now uh, the University of Arkansas. Originally a California native, went to school at UC Santa Barbara, um, but have fallen in love with uh, the Midwest college town lifestyle of, of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and, and really blessed and fortunate to be here. I love it. It's a, it's a good place. Um, I grew up an Arkansas fan. Um, most of my, my mom's family uh, is from Arkansas, so it's, it's a great place. You're with great people. So it's always good when you can get quote-unquote outsiders to come in and, and to embrace and realize the beauty of, uh, of the Midwest lifestyle in a college town like Fayetteville. I, I tell people all the time, um, I get to travel, I'm fortunate to travel and spend a lot of time on campuses and, and Fayetteville is a top five for me place in, in, in college athletics. So I love it. Chris, we're, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, the role of the AD these days. And that's kind of what the series is. Your experience the last decade or so, where, where have you seen the role of the AD change and, and maybe what, what hasn't changed? I don't know that the core of the role has changed. I think it's still about graduating student athletes, uh, giving them an incredible experience and, uh, and winning, helping them win games. I think how you accomplish that goal has changed. If the role has changed in its core function at all, I would say the integration with campus. And I think that's, I think that's a really positive thing. I, I think athletic directors and athletic departments more than ever need to be integrated with their campus leadership uh, and in lockstep with them. Football games, SEC conference, they've become such a big enterprise. Uh, and as revenues grown, that opportunity for campus to be ingrained in that uh, and the microscope that's on athletic departments has grown significantly. And there are uh, incredible opportunities that come with that, but there's also risks that come with that. And I think that's where you've seen a synergy between, uh, in the best athletic departments, I believe, you've seen a synergy between campus and athletics that's continued to grow closer uh, and messaging and actions uh, and everything they're doing, they're continuing to grow closer in how they operate. You, you spent some time on, at a number of campuses. You've been at Arkansas, been at OU, um, been at Miami, a few other spots. And, and so you've seen college athletics at a number of different levels. What do you think, uh, and this could be unique to Arkansas, but I think in, in reality, most um, places are facing the same challenges. And I don't mean um, external challenges, but, but internal challenges with, with people and, and communication. What do you think is the biggest pain point or challenge um, that most departments are facing right now as we move into this, this next generation, the next five, 10 years of college athletics? What are some of those big pain points? I think it comes down to revenue. Uh, and I think there's a few components of that, of why it's a pain point. So um, revenue generation isn't a uh, significant pain point in terms of generating funds for SEC schools. Uh, we're in a good, we're in a good spot and we're, and we're financially sound, but we're also trying to compete with the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world who are an entire level above us. There is, a, there is a gap between those. And um, I think for a lot of leaders in our industry, the gap that the SEC and the revenue they bring in compared to their department is dramatic. I also think that there's a story that's not being told well enough to fans in, in college athletics and, and where those dollars go. And, and we regularly hear fan frustration with it's, it's all about the money now in college athletics. Well, those dollars are going back into student athletes and they're going back into fan experience. They're not going anywhere else. Uh, there's not coffers that are being lined in uh, most college athletic departments, certainly not the athletic departments I've worked in. And so We've got to do a better job of that storytelling um, because that's some of the 
frustration with the revenue. And that's where we see some hesitancy from fans in this business. That's a great point. How do you think, I mean, how do you tell that story? How do you win that that argument per se in the public, especially when it's pretty common and popular to kind of talk about how the athletes aren't getting paid, but coaches are getting tons of money and schools are getting tons of money. How do you, how do you message that effectively? Um, well, I think you need to start with the student athlete experience. So it starts in your department and understanding for us how many of the 450 student athletes on our campus are having a great experience. And, and if they're not having a great experience or they're not having a good experience, how do we improve that? I mean, that's the core of it is when a student athlete leaves Fayetteville uh, and they're complaining and don't feel like they, they got what their uh, scholarship and their opportunity uh, provided them. They didn't, they didn't get what they were due. And, and so we've got we've to be very intentional about that. That's the core of it. But I think providing um, access to influencers uh, for your department, whether those be donors, legislators, um, friends of the program, on and on and on, providing them access to see exactly uh, what you're doing in your department, taking them through for us, our training table, our Jerry and Jean Jones student athletes success center, letting them understand how much we're doing from an academic end. And I also think it's also uh, about continuing to look at your outputs for student athletes. You know, we've met, we've had a change in the last year. It was about graduating student athletes and now it's about helping them land jobs. You know, that's our number one output. We feel like we are just about, at our uh, top spot in terms of graduating student athletes. We're, we're at a really high percentage. It's continued to grow for eight years. And at some point, it, it can only grow so far. Now our, now our focus is how do, we, how do we help these student athletes get into jobs or graduate school uh, immediately when their competitive career is done? And that's where we're changing. Um, I think that's really important because you're having some of your best advocates go out into your workforce, especially in a state, southern state like Arkansas where a lot of these kids, especially if they're recruited here or have enjoyed their time in college, you're going to want to stay around. Well, that's a huge transition because it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to get student athletes to graduate because it, that is difficult. Um, but that, that metric almost benefits the school, right, more than it does a student athlete. A degree is helpful. Like there's no, no debate about that. But, um, but to say that's not enough, we want to make sure we, we actually set you up for success and give you a, a spot for your feet to land. That's a huge thing. Um, and so I, I love that. I, that. I think that's the first time I've heard that. Maybe I'm sure other departments are doing that, but that's the first I've heard of that, um, that shift being made of not just degree, but let's get you placed. Let's get you where you've got a paycheck coming in, where you can start to, to build a family, build a career, or continue your education. I, I love that. And I love the way you guys have done, when you talk about telling the story of the student-athlete experience with the Voices um, series article I've been doing now, I guess for, for almost a year, probably the last 11 months, similar to the Players' Tribune style, yep. where they're getting to share the value of, of their experience at Arkansas, what they're learning, how they're growing and, and you know, what that means to them. What was the genesis of that campaign? Uh, well, we saw what players Tribune was doing and felt like we could do it internally better. I think the point where we decided to officially move forward with it was just research about college students today. They, they want a voice. Uh, and if they don't want a voice, their demands and expectations are, are going to get louder and probably harder to fulfill. And so we thought it was a really unique opportunity. Um, what we have found on the back end is uh, the uniqueness of that voice and the directness of that voice coming from the student athlete has led to pretty uh, impressive and at times ridiculous traffic numbers. Not surprising, right? The authenticity of it 
is uh, is very clear and, and direct. Um, but our fans have really embraced it. It's been it's been really exciting. You know, in an industry like this, there's obviously a lot of turnover. You've made a lot of stops. How do you how do you kind of create the culture that's consistent and you know whether that's onboarding people into your team, recruiting people to your team, and then managing them? How do you how do you kind of create the culture that you want in a, in a business like ours? You know, you guys have probably heard me here talk about this several times. I'm just a huge believer in in strength finders. Um, I'm, a, I'm a curious person. I'm a, I strive to be a lifelong learner. And uh, Strength Finders is probably the one book uh, and the test that's had the greatest impact on each of the departments I've been in. Uh, Sean Eichhorst, who's now the AD at Nebraska, uh, brought it along when he was at Miami with us. And, and I took that blueprint and built it out to our ex- entire external unit there. We've built it out here at Arkansas. We just we had a retreat a couple of weeks ago where we went through that with all 50 of our external team members. And it's it's about relationships at the end of the day from my standpoint. Uh, understanding your individual strengths, understanding the strengths of the people you work with. Sometimes those are surprising. Sometimes those are right in line with what you already know. But understanding uh, the balcony and the basement of those. So what's great about a strength and what, can that, what weaknesses can that create to help people resolve conflict, be better teammates, work more efficiently. Uh, it was really exciting. We're, we're actually uh, surveying our staff now if they want to do a follow-up one-day seminar on that with some of the Gallup folks in October during a bye week or during a break and play in football. And um, I'm excited to see what our staff says because their early feedback was really good, and I think that there's, I think there's opportunity for more. How do you get – so once you've started to create that culture, and I think from, from the time I spent there a year ago, you guys do have a really unique culture. Um, you've talked about some of Jeff's vision for that and, and shifting it to be a little more professional and to take what you're doing, have fun with what you're doing, but, but take the work and, and the mission a little more seriously than maybe some other places. And, and so I think that shows um, in the way people conduct themselves and, and in the, the output of the work itself. How have you, when you're bringing in new people, how, how are you making sure they are kind of developed into that culture and, and, and naturally, as naturally as possible, kind of, kind of mesh in with everyone else, not just from a work perspective, but from a culture perspective. Yeah, there's one thing I say to our uh, department heads when they're hiring. And I, for some of them, they're probably tired of hearing it. But what I say is the resume gets them through the first cut. The resume may get them into the finalist pool. But what, when they come to campus, what we're trying to figure out is if they're humble and hungry and are they going to fit an open void on our team, right? And I, and I always, I often equate it to a baseball card lineup, right? Not everybody can be a leadoff hitter. Not everybody, everybody can be a cleanup hitter. And so let's look at your staff. Let's look where there's a void and let's make sure they're going to help in that. If there's a leadership void and you need somebody to lead from the middle, let's go hire somebody. Um, if you have a really young staff and you, and, and uh, you can find value in having someone more mature with more leadership or more career experience, let's do that. Um, but very rarely are we looking at the hard skills, whether that be on a computer, behind a camera, marketing plans, um, because quite frankly, the, the references and the resume is going to get them to that point. The next point is about fitting in. Um, going back to kind of the AD discussion, you know, what do you think for this next wave of ADs, if you look at the, the next 10 years out, what do you think of the characteristics that are going to be the, the biggest difference maker, the most important? I think the biggest one is being a great listener. Uh, the days of a committee of one, that form of leadership, uh, either for coaches or athletic directors, I think are gone. 
Um, it's, it's too easy for uh, an uprising to begin nowadays. And, uh, and you've got to be an incredible listener and you've got to give people a chance to have a voice. There's a ton of research that shows that it's not a new idea, but I think it's of greater emphasis than ever before. Um, you know, all the search firms will continue to tell you you have to have revenue generation behind your name and you have to um, have some major gifts, gift experience. I think uh, along with those, I think you, you need to be a risk taker. Um, we talked about earlier the pain point of revenue generation and, and filling your gap, whatever your gap is and who you're trying to compete with or stay ahead of. Uh, sometimes that takes risks. We're, we're in a college athletics business that is driven by guaranteed contracts, whether that's the coaches or the revenue coming in from our TV partners or multimedia partners. Sometimes you got to take a fresh look at that and be willing to take a risk to internalize that revenue opportunity or look at a player that uh, isn't one of the majors or one of the standard ones and see if that's a better fit for your athlete. And the, and the last piece I would add is I think understanding branding, right? Um, not, from this, not, not just from the general basic stand, but, but understanding where your institution and athletic department can differentiate. That's, that's what it's all about uh, when you're recruiting when you're recruiting young people to your campus for four or five years, how are you going to differentiate and uh, convince them on the front end that they're going to have a different experience from what they're seeing from the other 13 schools in your conference? Yeah, I think that's huge because it's all football and basketball and baseball and going to class and taking tests and group projects. But what makes Arkansas unique from Clemson makes it unique from Oklahoma makes it unique from every school. And that's Mm -hmm. a, it's the same industry with, with however many different institutions, but everyone, if, if they're intentional enough, they can realize the unique story that their campus actually has to tell the unique experience, and, and they, they message and brand that effectively. You know, going back to the, the kind of a no more one-man committee and learning to listen, Carter Henderson talked a lot about the, the value of trust and how you know, when you've got trust, you can challenge your team, you can hold them accountable, and makes those conversations where um, he was talking about the allocation of resources because you've got football and basketball, you've got your two main sports. And, and so you have to, you naturally are going to spend some more time there, but you've also got however many other sports and you got to have the conversations with those coaches who know that football or basketball are, are, are the big deal, but still trying to be a champion for them and showing what that looks like and, and having those sometimes difficult conversations um, and showing the value of trust when you trust that AD and you know mm-hmm. they really are championing you, you, you take those conversations better because you know where they're coming from. When I think about you, one of the most significant stories, uh, and this just still fascinates me, I remember walking around campus last year with, with Taylor McGillis, and I was asking him, you know, how do you, you feel about Arkansas? What do, you, do you like it so far? I think he'd been there maybe a year at that point. I'm not, he had been there a crazy amount of time. Yep. Uh, and I said, what, what drew you to Arkansas other than your relationship with Chris? You guys had been, had been together at Miami, and obviously your relationship with, with Mr. McGillis. Um, he said that was it. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I, I took the job sight unseen. So for me, again, my family's from Arkansas. If you say, hey, I want you to come to Arkansas, I'm like, game on. I, kn- I know what Arkansas is. Like, that's not a hard conversation. And he was at Miami, not the worst spot in the world to be as, as a young professional. Yep. And his, his boss mentor says, hey, man, like, I want you to come to Arkansas with me. Halfway across the country. And to have that trust, to have that influence where he says, sure. What, have, like, how did, how, what did you do to make that happen? Not make him come to Arkansas, but... How do you lead in a way that builds that trust and influence with people? Oh, I think there's a, I think there's a quite a few things, um, and and sometimes they work, and sometimes uh, they uh, they they create more work. Um, I you know always had an open door. Um, 
I, I currently meet one-on-one -on -one with all of my department heads, but I also meet on one-on-one -on -one with uh, some staff members in individual areas. In some cases, that's because I've taken a special interest in their career. Uh, in some cases, that's because they've asked to have more access to me, and, and, and I understand that because I, I, I was fortunate to have senior leaders that gave me access at early points in my career. Um, at other points, it's because department heads have said, hey, I'm struggling finding the right uh, buttons to push or the right ways to get this staff member mo motivated. And so uh, I certainly have some ideas and I'm happy to help on out on that. You know, I went, I, I talked about strength finders before a key part of that is to uh, be able to admit weaknesses to your staff. And so um, I, I hope I'm good at that. I'm not as good as I, as I can be certainly, but um, being, being open, being honest about things you're working on, with a wide variety of staff is really important. Um, it's it's a opening point for collaboration, right? We can you can talk about collaboration and have five to ten people in a room and brainstorm, um, but if they think that Chris Freed's the only one making the decision, uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna bring their best ideas forward and they're not gonna have their best uh, mindset. And so, you know, f for me and for all of our department heads, in a retreat two weeks ago, we all went up there and talked about our balconies, which is great, the good stuff, but more importantly, what was really important was the basement, right? Here's a, here's a strength that I have, and here's an area where I'm working on it not being a problem. And, and so for me, with our staff, that was, I'm an idea guy, but I'm not, um, I'm not an organized execution guy. And so I will throw big ideas at people and expect them to organize and execute on them. And they may not fully understand that idea. And, and I've got to be cautious about doing that in the terms of a challenge and then cautious about the time frame and context of what's going on, right? Friday night before a football game is probably not the best time to throw a big idea at them and get their mind churning. So Chris, you mentioned the uh, strength finders and I know you're a big reader, just like Kevin and I are any other books you've read recently that you found really impactful or you'd recommend? Yeah. Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, I think is fascinating it, for professional development. I've yeah. I called it the uh, ultimate coffee table book. Um, you know, it's got a lot on uh, physical health, mental health, um, personal wealth, uh, leadership. I, I, I found it a page turner and fascinating. Um, never been a huge fan of his podcast and, and quite frankly, didn't love the four-hour work week. I thought the whole premise was find a job you love and it'll feel like you're only working four hours a week. But that book includes the best of his podcast. And if you look at the people he's talked to, it's a fascinating group that he's yeah. been able to get on his podcast over time. So highly recommend that. It's a huge book, but it doesn't take a lot of time to read. Um, Strength Finders, obviously, is, is one I've read seven or eight times. Um, I'll go with a fiction recommendation that I think is important for people that work on the external end. There's a book called Ready Player One that will really open your eyes to what augmented reality, virtual reality, and, um, and all of that uh, machine learning type technology and where it could lead. Um, for all three of us who have kids, uh, it's a little bit scary about what their uh, their growth and their adolescence and their teenage years could look like um, if there's any truth in this book. And so I, I would recommend that to anyone. It's it's a page turner, um, but it, I also think it is a glimpse into what the future could be. It's awesome. I love it. I think it's important for us. It feels like when, in the sports world, we can live in our bubble and we never look up and see what's happening in any other industry, maybe even in the world. And so to, to step out and 
kind of get our brain thinking about other things as parents, as people, as men and women, as citizens, um, which I also think will just make us better at our jobs. It, it gets us, makes us, helps us be a little more creative uh, and think in different ways at work. So I love that. Um, so final question, and, and thank you again for, for your time, for your graciousness and, and wisdom. If you were to sit in a room with 100 young athletics professionals who want to be an AD, mm-hmm. um, what would be the best advice you can give them? And maybe this is advice that you tell yourself as you pursue that chair in your, in your career, but what, what do you think is the, the best advice you could give to that group? Um, so the advice I give to young professionals in this business, um, oftentimes the first time they hit a wall or the first time they hit a wall in the department they're in and they feel like they've, I shouldn't say a wall. I should say the first time they've hit a ceiling and they feel like they're capped and they're, it's their time for more opportunity. My advice to them always is just put your head down and keep doing great work right? The, the leaders in this business, the athletic directors in this business came from a mentality where you, you probably started in a sport and you played for a coach who judged you on your effort and that's how you got playing time. And that's the core of how they operate their athletic departments. I think the biggest mistake young professionals make with the, lead, the generation of leaders we have at the head of athletic departments right now is uh, a year in, they're asking for a title promotion, more responsibility, and more money. And you know what? The AD probably was starting to already think about that. The best ones are. They're always thinking of a proactive plan. But they can be deterred by that by that individual asking for that and pushing for that and uh, using that as leverage and, and, and possibly going out and interviewing for other jobs and things. If you've got good leadership, and I think that's a sign of trust, right? If you have good leadership and, you, and you're able to have that conversation with a young staff member, if they hang in there and they make it work and, and you show that out, that, that'll change the rest of their career. And it's, it's, and it's a sign of true trust, right? That, that a, the young person's willing to say, okay, I buy in, let's see results. And then, you know, on us as leaders, it's our, it's our job to follow through. I mean, that was a fascinating discussion with, with Chris. Again, so much to digest, to process, hope that you guys had your pen and paper as you took notes on, on what it means to be a great leader, to build great culture, um, and what this next generation of college athletics will look like and the type of leadership that it will need. So so appreciate Chris and, and uh, his willingness to spend some time with us. Yeah, another thing that kind of came up in, in our first two uh, conversations was this idea that the, the, the role of a college AD has changed a lot, but in a lot of ways it hasn't changed at all. And I think Chris had some interesting uh, things to say about that and and obviously the the importance of listening and building a team, a lot of good stuff we can all pick up from from that conversation. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, this is our second uh, in the series. I'd love to hear your ideas on who we should talk to next. Hit us up on, on Twitter. Uh, that's at Kevin DeShazo or at Mark underscore Hodgkin. And if you're enjoying the show, uh, we'd love for you to drop us a uh, rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Um, and we'd love to hear some ideas on who we should talk to next. So please hit us up uh, on Twitter. Uh, thanks again for listening. We hope to talk to you next time and have a great week.